Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Forgotten Events. This is your host, Katie. The story we have for you today is about a rape and murder of two elderly women in Starksville, Mississippi on Labor Day. This is the story of a Labor Day murder. In Starksville, Mississippi, Labor Day 1990, Betty Jones, 65, was visiting her friend Catherine Kreigler, 81, a retired educator who was recovering from recent surgery to amputate one of her legs. While visiting, Betty heard a knock at her friend's door and went to answer the knock. See, Betty didn't have any reservations in just opening the door because it was apparently a very small town where everybody knew each other. And Betty had no reason to believe that something wicked would be on the other side of the door. Betty opened the door, and to her shock, a man stabbed her without any warning. Betty put up quite the fight, but the man killed her instantly by cutting her throat. Moving through the house, the intruder found Betty's friend Catherine sitting in her wheelchair in her bedroom. Catherine would be raped and then choked. Fortunately, Catherine had the will to live. Although she was left with broken bones, she managed to drag herself into the kitchen to call for help, and she had to get down a hallway to get to that phone. When Starkville Detective Bill Lott arrived on scene, he described it as, quote, bad as anything Jack the Ripper did, end quote. The police would find Betty's body in the front room with blood everywhere. Catherine was taken to the hospital and a rape kit was performed. The results of the test were sealed in a bag, forgotten and unused. See, DNA testing was still decades away. Catherine would later learn of her friend Betty's death. This would cause her deep, deep depression. Unfortunately, Two months later, Catherine would die of complications from her injuries in the attack. Fortunately, in 2017, Betty's step-grandson, Jason Jones, decided to start his own investigation into what happened that fatal night. Jason was only 10 when Betty died but she had left a lasting impression on her grandson. Jason interviewed many people related to the crime, including the detective Bill Lott. The detective had taken over the cold case, 
in 2004. He felt a special connection to the case and was certainly determined to solve it. And I can only imagine people in those positions, they arrive to the crime scene. It's just embedded in their memory and they probably hold on to it for a very, very long time. So I can understand why this was close to him. In 2005, Bill Lott sent the rape kit evidence to a lab where they developed a semen DNA profile that police could then test against other individuals. More than 60 people would be tested, but not one would match nor was there a match on the national DNA database of violent criminals. Now, for many, that's a serious roadblock. But in 2018, Detective Lott heard about new cutting-edge technology called DNA phenotyping. This is a process which uses killers' DNA profiles to sketch out what they might look like, So a lab was able to generate a mugshot of what the suspect might have looked like 28 years ago and then what he might look like today, which I find to be just fascinating. The detective said, quote, the DNA predicted that he would have light brown hair and blue eyes. Catherine lived long enough to give three interviews. She said the suspect had blonde hair and blue eyes. It's like, now I know what you look like. Now I'm going to get you, end quote. We are all familiar with ancestry sites, right? Well, the DNA would also go through testing at those types of public sites. And as you know, Many, many crimes have been solved by using such means. The detective was given a name by a genetic genealogist. This means a suspect. But to ensure it was the right person, the detective sent a cigarette butt taken from the crime scene to the lab to test. Apparently, after the killer attacked the women, He stayed behind and smoked cigarettes, uh, something that I can't seem to wrap my head around. Just, this is just crazy. The day after the testing, they had results. It was a match for the semen-based DNA profile developed over a decade ago. On October 6, 2018, nearly 30 years after the murder and rape, and just two days before what would have been Betty's birthday, the Starkville Police Department arrested and charged Michael Devon, 52, of Renzi with capital murder and sexual battery. Devon was mostly unknown to police. He was always under the radar. According to locals, he came from a good family and no one would suspect him of such a brutal crime. 
Devon would be held on a $11 million bond. And how many crimes have we heard about where someone related to the perpetrator says, oh, but they came from such a good family and this is the last person that I would suspect? Well, listeners, we have to remember everybody has a dark side. Everybody does the wrong thing at some point. Maybe on different levels of wrong, but coming from a good family and not being someone they would suspect doesn't mean it doesn't happen. The suspect was already in jail on unrelated drug charges, and it was only because of his recent criminal history that his DNA was in the database. He had been arrested a couple times before, but because the most recent arrest was more than two times, his DNA was taken, and he was locked up. If not for that, they probably wouldn't have a resolution today. He literally stayed under the radar. For the hardworking detective, it was an emotional moment as he spoke about the case that he worked to resolve for so long. Quote, I don't think people realize when I was walking around here in a haze, I wasn't talking or smiling. I like to smile. I'm normally happy. I hope I get my smile back. I'm normally a happy person. It's a long journey. Just got a little ways more to go. End quote. If convicted of capital murder, Devon faces life in prison or possibly the death penalty. He could face up to 30 years if convicted of sexual battery. No one will ever know what led Michael Devon to act out in such a brutal way.